Welcome to the Mind Hope Podcast. My name is Charlie McMahon. I'm with Lori Horseman, and we are really, really excited about what God's doing through this already. We're getting some feedback that some of you uh, from far away from us here in Dayton, Ohio, are being affected by this podcast. And uh, we're growing something here that we believe is a huge, huge area of need, and that is intervention care with people who are not only seeing signs of dementia in their own life, but especially those who are seeing it in in the lives of their loved ones. And Laura, you're on the front lines with this every day of your life. Uh, I'm, I'm good friends with Lori's husband. And um, <laughs> so I, I, he reports back to me your travels. and But there's so much going on. And I want to start with today, where are you this week? So what's we're, we're going to talk on this subject matter today is why do people living with dementia do what they do? Um, why for you is that top of mind today? Here, as we record this, December 7th, 2022, why is that like, well, this is real front of mind for me right now? Is that says something about the week you're having mm. in your training that you're giving to other people, some of the training it sounds like you've been getting Mm-hmm. yourself. Why? Why is that? That was the, uh, when I asked you, you said, this is the first thing that's comes to my mind. Yeah. This past week, I've been doing a lot of training with caregivers and it's very difficult as a caregiver if you, to kind of understand why are they doing that so that you don't fight back? Because our natural, you know, our natural reaction to things is if we don't understand it is that defense posture. Mm-hmm. So when, for example, just a quick thing, I had a lady reach out to me and she's taking care of her husband at home and she was getting so frustrated with him because he kept urinating in the trash can instead of the toilet, which is right next to the toilet. You know, tra- they were side by mm-hmm. side. She's like, he's doing this on purpose. Why is he doing this? And she was getting so frustrated with him and, and they were fighting and it was causing more of a behavior. And first thing I needed to tell her was that our reaction to situations usually 86%, 86% of the time triggers those behaviors. So first, calm your reaction down. And the second, let me tell you why he's doing that. And once I explained to her that his vision was pretty much starting to dissipate and he can't see white anymore because of the dementia, yeah, most people don't know that. So wow. he could not see that white toilet. He knew that the toilet was in the bathroom. And he's looking for this object, but as your occipital lobe starts to just basically diminish, you can't see um, visual depth. So, and you need depth perception in order to see shades of white, and that's what all your toilet is. So he knew it was in there, and he was not about to ask his wife for help yeah, because that's a yeah, dignity issue. Yeah, that's right. And this is a basic need that he had to get met. So he sees this round, dark object where the toilet should be. I'm not sure what that is, but that looks like a safe bet. And that's where he urinated. And she was thinking he's doing this on purpose to upset me. He's doing this because it's the only thing that he can see. So easy fix is we ordered a royal blue toilet seat. And he could see it. And easy fix. Um, So we had to do a lot of training with why they do what they do. Because they're not doing this to be difficult with you. That prefrontal cortex is starting to disappear, and they don't—they're not—they don't have the ability to push your buttons anymore. Mm-hmm. And even with caregivers, I had one sweetheart tell me she was—I think they're doing this stuff on purpose that they can really do it, but they don't want to help me do it. And I'm like, that's not how it works. It's like even in memory care, we use colored plates because if you have a white plate, I can't see the food on the white plate. So they push the food around; they don't really see it, and they don't eat it, and then wow, they start losing weight. That's amazing. Weight. No, yeah. So we use red plates. So they can see the food on the red plates, like the blue toilet seats, using cognitive ramps, so to speak. Like, take a look at what your shower would look like Mm -hmm. if you couldn't see it. And Mm -hmm. most showers in a memory care unit or in your home are white. 
so they can't see it. Yeah. So then here comes the blue duct tape or the blue Coban tape to hit the grab bar and boom, they can see it. Mm-hmm. So once you can see something and you can use it, that gives you back your dignity and you start doing it yourself. But the reason they do the things they do is I always try to get behind that brain and figure out, okay, what's missing in there? Like the hallucinations. I work with a lot of first responders and they're like, why do we keep getting these phone calls from these ladies saying there's someone in the house and there's clearly not been an intruder? Like, well... All dementia start on the left side of the brain, and the left is where their short-term memory is. And if they don't remember putting the coffee cup in their sink, and suddenly there's a coffee cup in their sink, what do you think happened? That Mm. somebody's been in your house. So then they call the police, and then here comes the paranoia. Because now the police are telling you no one's been here, you start to doubt yourself, and boom, here comes these behaviors. Mm. So it's just a case of understanding what's going on in the brain. And it's been huge this past week because it's just been, I hear it, I know immediately what they're talking about, but I forgot that as a caregiver, this can be just frustrating. And you feel like you're going round and round and round with this behavior. Yeah. And then also with the short-term memory disappearing, they don't remember that we've already worked through this once. So they call the police again and wow. then again. Yeah. So it gets frustrating for the families too. So let's talk for a minute about the caregiver because the, the, the sense of insecurity that creates, I'm losing Mm -hmm. this person used to be considerate. Now it's clearly inconsiderate. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any steps? I, I know that we, I know in ministry, we have to talk so much about identity because out of identity comes a security or not. If your identity is in all the things of this world that are temporary and fleeting, but if your identity is in in God in Christ, it's you have a you have a rock, as Jesus put it. You're building right. your house on the rock. When all around you is deteriorating and going away, your your once stable relationship, maybe. Mm-hmm. What is your recommendation to those caregivers who right now feel like everything nailed down's coming loose, and and the mm. fear. Mm-hmm. That has to be gripping. You're going into a tunnel, oh, yeah. and you don't, you, you know, you didn't, you, you, you didn't sign up for this. No, that's why I say you're on a journey, and this is not a journey anyone signs up for, prepares for. You don't know what to pack in your suitcase because you don't know where the next mm-hmm. stop is. So, well, let's take that. So, so what do you say? Hey, put this in for sure. Put these two or three things in your suitcase. Okay, so your long-term memories are going to, for the most part, stay. Those are the last things to disappear, and those are on the right side of your brain. So the left side starts to disappear with most chemical-based dementias, and you move to your right side. Right side are your long-term autonomic responses and memories. Most of those core memories are established in your earlier years, between infants, you know, birth, and maybe 12, 15, 16 years old. So this is what I always tell people, and you can still see it. If you were one of those kids that went to church and you did those old Sunday school hymns and you know them, you're going to know them even by heart at the end. Mm. And you can still sing every single word and there's a piece in that and we use a lot of that. Um, So the core memories are gonna stay. There are ways to quote unquote jumpstart the brain uh, with to get some of those core memories back, but they're fleeting though at best. You might hold on to them for two minutes maybe and then they're gone. So what I always tell caregivers is that Relax. You're going to have to let go mm-hmm. of how you want things to be. That's not coming back. Oh, that's good. And you only need enough light for the step that you're on right now. Don't even worry about 6 p.m. tonight because that's probably not going to happen. So, like, here we are in the holidays, and I just did a uh, webinar for my company, and I was talking about do not make all of these plans thinking that they're going to go through that way. 
you're going to have to have plan B, mm. C, D, all the way down to Z. Because just, for example, taking mom to her favorite restaurant might not work because we don't know what she's seeing or how she's hearing it. And those flashing lights and all that music and stuff, yeah, you think she likes the lights, but you don't know what that might trigger for her. All those people in that restaurant might suddenly sound like a crowd coming at her because her prefrontal cortex might put her into flight or fight mode. So be prepared and be flexible. I mean, hugely flexible. And learn to let go of some things. It doesn't really matter because the one thing I try to tell people is right now, you're going to hold on to memories. You don't need to worry about whether or not they can remember your name. Because I was just working with a young lady. She said it broke my heart that she kept calling me her Mm. best friend and not her granddaughter. I'm like, but don't you see? Being her best friend meant more to her at that point because Mm. she didn't feel she was old enough to have you as a granddaughter. So she trusted you as that person. So let go of what you think it has to be. That's a great interpretation. That's a great interpretation. Let go of how you think it needs to be and let her be where she is and love her through that part of Mm -hmm. it. So the one thing I learned... And we talked about this with Laura on stage is that you're going to meet a new person. As long as you let go of the old one, you're going to meet this new one. So if everything is coming unraveled and unhinged, look at what it's showing you. Look at the person that they're becoming and stop kind of trying to control it and put it back into its box the way it used to be. Because mm-hmm. you can't get that back. Mm-hmm. But just be in that moment with them today. So if they're slowing down and they're just staring at an ornament on a tree and holding it in their hands like it's the first time they've seen it. Don't rush them through and say, Mom, hang that up. Let's go. We've got more. Stop. Okay. Look at how they're seeing that. What are they going through? Read their body cues. What are they possibly seeing again? And just go slow. Go soft. Go easy. Because you're probably not going to have them next Christmas, and this might be it. Yeah. The the vast amount of personal change that you just described there is huge. You yourself are, okay, game on. I'm being forced into some personal change here. Mm-hmm. Habits, viewpoints. Um, would you say that you see a greater correlation of the need for control and struggle than uh, yes. you, know, you see it like the, the, the higher control person mm-hmm. you've been, the, the mm-hmm. greater the struggle with this reality yes. now you're facing because yes. it, it's defined by a lack of control. Oh, we do not like being out of control as human beings. And mm-hmm. dementia is a disease that puts you into a tailspin anyways. That individual feels like they're losing control. Because you, well-meaning, want to care for me, okay, but the more you do for me, the more you're taking from me. So now Mm -hmm. I'm out of control over my own bodily functions. Mm -hmm. So they don't like that. And 50% of the dementias are fully aware that it's happening to them. They're fully aware that something's being taken from them. And their brain's trying to make sense as to why this is happening. That's why you might get accused of having an affair on your wife. Mm. Because she's like, you're never here. You're supposed to be here. Mm. Where are you? You must be having an affair on me. And then here comes this whole, no, I would never, and the whole family's rocked, but stop. The reason she's doing that is she feels like something's being taken from her. So slow down and give her back what she's asking for is that sense of control. And it's very difficult to do as a caregiver because one minute they seem like they've got it, and the next minute they can fluctuate and they don't. So the dynamic that it puts on that relationship for both of you, you both want to feel like you're in control. You both want back what you used to have. One of you will never understand what it was, and they're totally in a tailspin. They feel like something's missing, but they can't get it back. The other one has this mourning of what it used to be like, and you're still in front of me, but it's like this long, slow goodbye of you. You know, I know you're going to die, and my relationship with you is dying right now. Yeah, so, you you know, a couple things to touch on before we close on that is— I think one of the most difficult things about leading is leading while grieving, but caring while grieving is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're doing 
one of the most challenging realities of life is caring, giving, while grieving. Yes. What's the, what's the secret sauce, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, that is the key where you see people do well in this managing, caring output while my inner self is dying. crumbling, is yeah. dying? Mm -hmm. what's, what's the key that you see people do well? You know, in my own family, um, once I came to grips with what was happening to dad and that this was not going to turn around and go back, I let go of what I wanted it to be. And I started just to kind of pay attention to how it was in that moment. Because one of my brothers just totally was in total denial over it. And I mm. think it just, it hit him hard when he finally realized dad only has days left. Mm-hmm. And I've seen caregivers who do well with this because they let go of how it used to be. And it's literally let go and let God. Let go of how you think it needs to be and let God just direct your steps and give you peace just for this moment. Yeah. You don't need it for tomorrow. And you, these plans, let them be flexible. Yeah. Life is temporary. It's fleeting. And this person is fleeting. And then that whole taking care of yourself, it's, that's hard to work in. But even if you take a moment just to sit and breathe, listen to your favorite song, contemplate on this and then go back in good it's like tapping out and going back in well, one more thing on this um as for our listeners uh what we're doing is slowly building a ministry we're slowly building what we'll do next beginning in 2023 is the brain boot camps mm -hmm. and then shortly on the heels of that we'll be building the support system which i can only imagine is huge that I think last month we talked about the the aspen tree, you know, dynamic of the root systems that don't go very deep, but they they interconnect. A, an aspen tree grows actually one organism. The 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 power in that person who's there, having that organic connection to other people who are sharing, mm -hmm. caring while grieving. Uh, I can only imagine is is just huge, right? Just, just a game that. changer. Yeah, it, that is a game changer because that isolating yourself off this disease is isolating to both people, the person who has dementia. And I think that's important to hear because mm -hmm. people think of only the no. victim as being the one who's being isolated. No, the caregiver's life is completely turned upside down, and that person is isolated too, because we don't all go on this journey together, and mm -hmm. some of us might never take this journey. So that's very isolating because it's tough to like, is anybody see what I'm seeing? Is anybody in this? And you start to feel like you're crazy too. Yeah. You oh, I bet. Yeah. I'm I like, bet. man, I must be nuts to see it I'll this bet. way. And, and it was, I didn't have that support like that. And when we give somebody, somebody else to talk to saying, no, you're okay. You're fine. I've even had people ask me, am I going to catch this by being a caregiver? And there's some truth to that, but it's not contagious. Mm. But when you isolate your brain and you beat yourself up like that, yeah, you can trigger some stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you are with people because we're social creatures, I don't know. It just gives you that sense of, like, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. And once yeah. you know you're not alone, that pours back into your bucket that you can go now back into that room and take care of that person. Well, we, wanna, we, wanna, we certainly want our listeners uh, to, to be aware of, even maybe in their area, looking for help if they're living outside the Dayton area where we are, but also to let our listeners know we are very, uh, as we speak, we're, we're building the infrastructure because we know the, isolate, the isolation that happens with, with this life reality. Today, um, one thing you want your caregivers to do today. 
when they get off this, listen to this podcast, they get to their destination, they, they, they're, or whatever they're doing, what is one thing that you want them to do today? The one thing you need to do today as a caregiver is stop, find your inner peace, and ask for God to take this. Yeah. Okay. Just let go. You don't mm-hmm. have to control all of this. He is ultimately in control. And when I prayed for peace, it was amazing how fast it came mm-hmm. washing over me. Mm-hmm. And my mindset completely changed. My attitude changed. And I was a much calmer person, which your energy is totally reflected back by that person mm-hmm. you're looking for. So you need to find a peaceful energy so that that person that you're working with is at peace also. That's good. A couple things on that too is is use the Lord's Prayer. Repeating the Lord's Prayer over and over mm-hmm. can be a source of you're anchoring yourself around, you know, remember Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is a model for not just what, but how to pray. The other is Psalm 23. You know, one of the most beloved and well-known Psalms is also a great mental peace asset. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in one. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And and I know for myself, I use those two all the time just to, okay, let's take captive my thoughts. And boy, if you're in a storm right now, you need something that's going to just calm the boat. And that's that's a way to do it. Well, Lori, thanks so much. I know that there are caregivers who are going to be listening to this, that they're on the line of crisis, Mm -hmm. if not over that line. And they need to hear this. Next time, we're going to talk about what it means to be out of control and just the whole issue of control. And uh, we hope that you'll tune in next time on the Mind Hope Podcast. 